Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Joseph, when he interprets this dream, he really goes out on the limb. That's the sweetness about his innocence, childlike spirit. I mean, he, you know what he said? He said, in three days, you're going to find out if I'm a phony or not. <laughs> That's what he was saying there. You know, it's like, being in a prison and doing this thing, it's not a very wise thing to do if it doesn't happen, you know? I mean, but he didn't care because he knew that God had shown this to him. And even though this was risky for him, it's, really, it's much easier to say something like, you know, sometime in the future, this is gonna happen to you. But he, he laid it on the line when he said three days. Now, and all this gives us a window into Joseph's heart. Another verse that gives us a window into his heart is in verse 14, when he interprets the dream of the butler, and then he immediately follows on the heel of his interpretation in verse 14, and he says, think on me. Think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. You know, he could have said, Joseph could have said, well, I believe what is gonna happen is gonna happen and it's, you know, I don't have really much control over it. It's all been predetermined. It's all, it's all been, and my fate has been predestinated. So all I really should do here is do nothing and just wait. He could have said, if the Lord wants me out of the prison, he's gonna get me out of the prison and I don't have to do anything. I can just sit back and wait until God brings me out of the, the prison. That would be a fatalistic fate of faith, a fatalistic faith. That's what it would be. And Joseph didn't have a fatalistic faith. And that's what we see in verse 14, because it's true, it was true, that Joseph did not get out of prison until the Lord wanted Joseph to get out of prison. But that did not stop Joseph from using his head and trying to make good, wise decisions. We're faced with that right now. We got all these obstacles about getting the gospel out through the mail in Israel. Oh, the lawyers with the spam law. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it. You know, but, you know, in business, you really don't want to hear people tell you why you can't do things. You want to hear people tell you how you're going to do it. And so anyway, this is Joseph. He's got this spirit here the, that he's trying to make good, wise decisions. And so what we see in verse 14 is that he didn't have this fatalistic faith of, well, no. But he looked for opportunities to get out of prison, and then he grabbed those opportunities. And it's just like Paul. Paul did not have a fatalistic faith. He looked for an opportunity to escape danger, and he did. And that's what we see in Acts 9.23. In Acts 9.23, it says, after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. So what else is new? <laughs> but 
their laying await was known of Saul, Paul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. Wow, that must have been some sight. And so, so Paul knew, that, boy, the Jews in the city, they're conspiring to kill me. So he used his noggin to go and look for an opportunity to escape. And when he saw, oh, it's a basket, and I can get let down over the wall, he took it. He took it. And that's also true, we see, in Acts 25.8. In Acts 25.8, we have another instance there where Paul realizes, again, the Jews are going to want to kill him in Jerusalem, and he's being threatened with being sent back to Jerusalem where there's already been all these people who have not eating and drinking until they kill him. And it says, he says there, while he answered for himself in Acts 25, 8, Acts 25, 8, while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor against, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of the things before me? That was dangerous for him. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou knowest very well. And if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Okay, so Paul knows that the Jews in Jerusalem, they decided to kill him, and so he he says he's got an opportunity to not go to Jerusalem, but to go to Rome, and he took it. Joseph could have had a fatalistic faith where he said, well, if the Lord wants me out of prison, he's gonna do it, I won't have to do anything. And it's true that Joseph didn't get out as we saw it there, but none of that stopped Joseph from taking wise and good steps to accomplish this, you know, which he thinks is gonna be God's will when he tells to the butler, think on me, but the butler forgot about him anyway. But when we see Joseph saying to the butler in verse 14, think on me, it's kind of sad. It kind of t- tugs at our heart because we kind of feel all this misery that he's going through and that he will go through for an additional two years. It's gonna be a rough two years as we talked about. This disappointment that with Joseph, he feels this until he finally realizes, verse 23, that the butler forgot about Joseph just as quickly as he wanted to forget about everything in that prison. But just the right time, just the right time, God reminds the butler. And that's gonna be two years later, and we're gonna find that in the next chapter, and actually it's in the next verse, the first verse of the next chapter, Genesis 41.1, Genesis 41.1, and it came to pass at the end of the two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Then the butler's gonna remember in verse nine, in Genesis 41.9, Genesis 41.9, then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. The Hebrew word that he used there for faults is very important. It's very interesting. It's, it's not really, okay. It's the word chet. Chet is sin. It's like a bad sin. You know, it's like what you go to, what people end up in hell for. Chet. So it shows that for the butler to make such a statement like that, for the butler to use a word like chet, it shows that he made a vow. He made a vow to Joseph that he was going to remember. And he broke that vow and it was a het, it was a sin. It's interesting when we step back and we look at Joseph in this prison because Joseph in this prison is like we were talking about 
in the breaking of bread service before this, Joseph was a man of sorrows in prison and acquainted with grief. Joseph in the prison was despised and rejected of men. But Joseph in the prison was also the person that God had prepared a throne and an exaltation for. The beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph in prison of Isaiah 53.3. He's despised. He's rejected of men. He's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We esteemed him not. But the last verse in Isaiah 53 shows a exaltation when it says, therefore, in 53.12, Isaiah 53.12, therefore will I divide with him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. You know, because in Isaiah 53, it starts out, the Lord Jesus Christ is like Joseph, he's despised, he's rejected in prison, and we come to the end of Isaiah 53, we see the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the mighty conqueror deciding who he's gonna divide what to. And so that's Joseph. Right now we're in the Isaiah 53, three part when we look at this chapter in Genesis. He's despised and rejected, but another day's coming. Now, we can't leave verse 14 where we read Joseph say, remember me. Oh, those are important words, remember me. I mean, that just draws us to the Lord Jesus Christ who said the same thing to us at the Last Supper in Luke 22, 19. Luke 22, 19, it says, he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. All right, now, we come now to Joseph's explanation. I mean, you know, everybody is wondering this. Why, you know, (laughs) why is this prison different from all other prisons? (laughs) Because this prison has a Jewish person in it. As a matter of fact, he's the only Jewish person in, uh, in Egypt. So he makes explanation in verse 15. I indeed was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing wrong that they should have put me into this prison. So why are you in Egypt? Because I was stolen away. Why are you in prison? I've done nothing wrong. So first of all, first of all, before we get into this verse here, it's very interesting that Joseph uses the word Hebrews. Hebrews. He called the place where he came from the land of the Hebrews. It's just interesting to see Joseph use the word Hebrews. Hebrew, because Hebrew is a mysterious term. It's a very mysterious, I mean, maybe Joseph knew what the word Hebrew meant, but no one today really knows. No one is sure what this word Hebrew means. I mean, there's all kinds of theories crossing over the river, Hebrew, and so forth, but no one is sure what the word Hebrew means. Even though the best salami in the world is Hebrew national, No one knows what it means. And the word Hebrew, it first appears actually in Genesis 14, 13. In Genesis 14, 13, Abram, before he becomes Abraham, Abram is called a Hebrew. And then the word goes silent since then until Potiphar's wife, the previous chapter. And she refers to Joseph as the Hebrew, the Hebrew. And now we see Joseph referring to his homeland as the land of the Hebrews. And then the butler, in the next chapter, in verse 12, Genesis 41, 12, Genesis 41, 12, he's gonna call, he's gonna say that to Pharaoh, Joseph, the Hebrew. 
And then we see the word coming up again in Genesis 43.32, Genesis 43.32, where we are explained that it's an abomination for the Egyptians to eat bread with the Hebrews. So whatever this word means, Hebrews, it doesn't seem to be a nice term. It seems to be kind of a derogatory term for the Jewish people, even though nobody knows what it means, even though it's the best salami in the world, but is the term for the Jewish people, the, the Jewish people. It's kind of like a despised and rejected term. Now, referring to a despised and rejected people. Now here, Joseph, he proclaims his innocence and he says that he has stolen. He was, was Joseph really stolen? Would you say he was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews? Yeah, he was sold. <laughs> it was sold. But he says stolen. I mean, I don't know. What are you thinking, Joseph? Well, maybe he's got something in his mind. But if Joseph was stolen out of his homeland, who stole him? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what Joseph's got in mind here. You know, he's stolen. Well, you might say his brother stole him. Maybe in the Midianite. Anyway, but did Joseph say anything about the key players who were really responsible for him being in Egypt, which was clearly his brothers? He says nothing. Nothing about his brothers. I mean, Joseph say how he was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, not in the least. I mean, it might have been a question. Maybe the chief, maybe the butler would have thought to himself, how were you stolen? You know? But according to Joseph, this account of him being stolen, this was his reality. This was Joseph's reality. Even though we don't forget what we read in Genesis 37, 28. In Genesis 37, 28, doesn't look like he was stolen when it says in Genesis 37, 28, they're passed by Midianite merchant men and they drew, that's his brothers, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. I mean, that's the account of how he got there. Doesn't look like stolen to us. But this reality for Joseph has become, in his mind, I was kidnapped by some unidentified, long-gone Midianite merchantmen. <laughs> That's it. That's how Joseph has chosen to relate what happened to him. He was kidnapped by some unnamed, long-gone Midianite merchantmen who we can't even find them now. And the question is, was that really Joseph's reality? Did he really believe that? Did Joseph really believe that he was stolen? Did Joseph really believe that he was kidnapped? Well, the answer to the question comes, is gonna come a few chapters later when Joseph's gonna stand right in front of the kidnappers, <laughs> of his brothers, and he's gonna meet him again after 10 years. He's gonna meet him again. And in Genesis 45, 4, Genesis 45, 4, you read this. Joseph said unto his brethren, come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Why didn't he say the same thing to his brothers that he said to the butler? Why did Joseph not say to his brothers that he said to the butler? Why didn't he say to his brother, I am Joseph, your brother, who was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. <laughs> Why didn't Joseph say to the butler, I'm Joseph, and my brothers sold me into Egypt? 
See, why these disconnect in these two accounts here? This gives us another window into the heart of Joseph. Another window. He's not hallucinating. He's not hallucinating over what reality is. What Joseph is doing here is something beautiful. It's something beautiful. He has chosen back in the prison to not expose his brothers. You know, there are some things in life that each person holds very dear and they cherish some things in life. You know what it was for Joseph? What he cherished? A forgiving spirit towards his brethren. That's what Joseph cherished. And he would not expose it. What's the opposite word for exposing? Conceal, right, conceal, good, conceal. Okay, Joseph, what he decided to do in concealing is cover, another, cover, okay. We've got a graphic illustration of this, which we studied in Noah and his three sons. Noah and his three sons, the whole account there is in Genesis 9.20, we saw it, Genesis 9.20. Genesis 9.20 explains that Noah began to be an husbandman and he planted a vineyard. Okay, good for him. And he drank of the wine and he was drunken. Okay, bad for him. And he was uncovered in his tent. Okay, worse for him. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth, his other two brothers, took a garment and laid it both on their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done unto him and said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Whatever Noah was doing in the tent, and believe me, it wasn't good and we, know, and we shouldn't know the details so God doesn't tell us the details, some kind of sexual thing, but we don't need to know. But whatever it was, what Ham did about the so-called nakedness of his father is that he took a good look and then he went out and exposed his father through gossip to his, to his other brothers. And what did his other brothers do, Shem and Ham? They went in backwards to not see the nakedness of the father, and the beauty is that they covered it. Oh, that's wonderful. They covered it. Same word. They covered it as Kippur, as, the, as God's covering for our sins, as the so-called mercy seat, which is the word covering. Mercy seat, it doesn't appear. Anyway. This is what we see Joseph doing here. Something very beautiful. Joseph said, I was kidnapped. I was kidnapped out of my homeland. And he's, when he says that, I was kidnapped out of his homeland, you know what he's doing? He's walking backwards with the covering on his shoulders and he's covering his, his brothers. You know, he's doing what James tells us. James tells us in 520, James 520. James 520. Let him know that he who covereth a sinner from the ear of his wave shall save a soul from death and shall cover a multitude of sins. Cover a multitude of sins. Peter says the same thing. Above uh, Peter 4.8, 1 Peter 4.8, 1 Peter 4.8. Above all things fervent in your love among yourselves, for love covereth a multitude of sins. All this emphasis on a multitude of sins and David says in Psalm 32.1, Psalm 32.1, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. In Proverbs 10.12, Proverbs 10.12, hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all transgressions. And again, Proverbs 17.9, Proverbs 17.9, he that covereth the transgression seeketh love. 
but he that repeateth the matter separateth chief friends. So Joseph is covering a multitude of sins of his brothers when he says he's kidnapped. What were the multitude of sins that Joseph was covering? Let's list some of them. What were some of the sins of his brothers that Joseph was covering? Envy, envy, right? What's the verse, the command? Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet, good. What else? Greed, greed, again, sort of envy like there. What else? The lies, the deceptions. What did they say? Whoa, we found this coat. I don't know. Do you know who this is? <laughs> Has a blood on it. I wonder how that got there. Oh, did you guys wash your hands? Okay, good. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Deception. Thou shalt not. Right. Bear false witness. Right, exactly. Okay. What they want to do to him first? They did. What's that one? Thou shalt not murder. Right. Shall not kill. Murder. Okay. So these are just some of the multitude of sins that Joseph is covering, the major ones. But Joseph's feelings of love for his brothers did not allow him to relate what really happened to him. That's what God wants for us. Have you ever noticed that when you're really mad before you do something, you kind of like have this pause? It's like a, like a, it's like a holy pause, you know? When, when you're angry and you just have that moment of just before, you know, the, the calm before the storm, you know, before you strike out in words and, and how you, you know, you were wrong. That's God's pause. That's God's pause where he's saying, would you stop and cover? Stop and cover. And Joseph did this. Joseph sought love for his brothers when he covered the multitude of their sins. Okay, great. It's a great thing to have a forgiving spirit. We all agree. Oh, it's the only remedy for bitterness, the destructive corrosion of bitterness. But how do you do it? How do you do it? That's the question. Yeah, I, I gotta be forgiving. How do you do that? That's the big question. Well, Joseph shows. He shows how you do it. And when he was face-to-face with his brothers, who were the responsible ones for all of Joseph's great troubles in his life. And what Joseph said to them 10 years later, as we mentioned, we were standing in front of them, shows us the secret, the key. And it's in Genesis 45.7, Genesis 45.7, same area as we were in before. Genesis 45.7, what Joseph said to them tells us the key of how to forgive. He says, and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it was not you that sent me hither, but God. You get the emphasis? He says it twice. He hath made me a father, Pharaoh, Lord of all his house, ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. See, Joseph was able to forgive by seeing the bigger picture, the bigger picture. He looked, Joseph looked beyond the immediate to the ultimate. He looked beyond the so-called second causes and he, of what happened to him, and he saw God as the first cause. And that gave Joseph the ability to forgive and not be bitter. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.